My name is Mitch. I'm a lay pastor here, and I'm very excited to have an opportunity to bring you the message. So welcome to First United Methodist Church, a community of unlikely friends following Jesus together. Last week, we had a great message. I uh, hope you had an opportunity to hear it, but uh, one of our leadership team members, Corey Jewell, uh, delivered a message about, about our vision and our vision to be this community of unlikely friends following Jesus together. And today, I want to focus on that word community. So I have a definition for you of community, a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. The first requirement to community is presence. In fact, something, sometimes that's the only requirement. Those of us who are here in attendance today are a community living together geographically. We all came to this place from a, from a, a, a drivable distance. We were able to, to arrive here in a reasonable amount of time by car. We are a community of people who can make it to this space, this, this building, um, reasonably by driving. That makes us a community. The second part of the definition is commonality, connectedness. This church is a community of unlikely friends following Jesus together. Not a building, but a people. A group banded together not just by the belief of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, but the belief of the active role of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. This church is a community of folks aspiring to allow the Holy Spirit to influence and inform our day-to-day, every moment-to-moment actions of our lives through our biblical faith. If that sounds a little grandiose, a little overambitious, it's because it is. Following the teachings of Jesus is not for the faint of heart or the underachievers but rather for those of us seeking relationship, dare I say adventure, camaraderie, accountability, purpose, together, not individually, not alone, not in a silo, together we are Jesus's church. Matthew 18, 20, the words of Jesus recorded, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Notice he started with two as his baseline. Two, multiple, gathered together. We are this modern generation of a long tradition of believers proclaiming that following the teachings of Jesus is a team sport. In his book, The Connected Life, Nashville, I got my book here, Nashville pastor Jacob Armstrong, love this guy, love this guy, um, Nashville pastor, he unpacks what being in community is a way to move from unconnected to connected. A life connected with God and a life connected with those around us. Connected with each other. In a world that is so easily connected via media, social media, emails, opportunities to mass communicate things via apps, opportunities to share what's on your mind, what you're, what's on your heart immediately, instantly with untold amounts of people, and then to also immediately gain 
that information and experiences of untold people, amounts of people yourself to go out and, and collect and absorb that information. We're so connected in this world like never before, but it seems on all accounts that we get perceived as successful or happy, connected and thriving. But in reality, more often than maybe some of us want to admit, there's the feeling of misery and dread and exhaustion and loneliness. In a world that's more connected than ever, loneliness is through the roof. A Columbia School of Public Health survey found that this is pre this is a 2019 survey finding, pre-pandemic, they haven't updated their findings. 61% of Americans over 18 years are lonely. They're lonely. Loneliness, loneliness is that subjective feeling of inadequate, meaningful connections with others. 61% of people are feeling an inadequate, meaningful connection with others in a world that is over-connected. Now, you'll notice on that quote it's, or that study, that's, you know, you may think, well, 61%, I don't know, what's the baseline? Well, in the 70s, it was 11%. 11. That's where we've came. So the best way I know to combat loneliness is Christian community, like this, but on a smaller scale, a more personal scale. And this isn't a new concept, but rather it's as old as Jesus' personal teaching model itself. Jesus didn't just teach in synagogues and houses and hillsides to crowds and groups of people with sermons and parables. Often, after his teachings or his working of miracles, he would pull aside his 12, his small group, those disciples. And he knew if his followers were truly going to effectively communicate his message to the world, then they needed to be able to understand it enough to share it with the world. They needed to spend time in study and conversation and reflection on those studies with other people to, to process it externally with others. And this is a pattern he used right up until the night before his crucifixion. Uh, we had the last supper he had with his disciples. They ate together, they learned from Jesus, and then they even bickered and bantered a little bit about betrayal, denial, about whether or not foot washing is personal hygiene or public hygiene. And they prayed together multiple times after Jesus' death and resurrection. He appeared to his disciples. Acts 1, verse 4, we read, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This was the setting for the event that we call Pentecost. The disciples were in Jerusalem for this Jewish festival called Shavuot, but also, also known as Pentecost. 
but it was a major Jewish festival. At the time, it was a, it was a, um, a harvest festival that had transitioned into a festival celebrating the giving of the law, the Torah, the Old, the Old Testament, the Torah being given um, to the people. And so this festival, there's lots of people gathered together from many, 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 many nations um, speaking many different languages, and they're gathered together in this one place for this festival. And so we find these disciples of Jesus you know, members of this Jewish faith gathered together. In, they're staying in Jerusalem as Jesus had commanded them. And here's where we are for the scene of the story, which is about to unfold. And this is where it gets pretty awesome, crazy. We find in the second chapter of Acts, it's recorded by the author Luke. So they're hanging out in this space, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit rushes in with a violent wind, violent wind. Loud noise surrounds the room. I can just see the swirling of it all. And visible fire appears above the disciples' head. It's seen over them. And then they begin to speak in different languages that they don't know, but others around that have gathered here from other regions who spoke other languages understood what they were saying in their native tongue. Pretty crazy stuff. And this crowd has a mass. Remember, loud, violent noise, strong wind. What's going on? And now this is happening. The crowd has a mass and the commotion. They, pro- uh, they proclaim, perplexed. They say, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. What does this mean? Well, then Peter takes center stage. Peter, the... Uh, Fisherman from Galilee that Jesus has chosen to build his church on. The fisherman from Galilee that we don't have any scriptural context that he was a multilingual Galilean fisherman um, with simultaneous multilingual skills is, is proclaiming the good news to these people. It's, he is explaining to a large group gathered that Jesus, the crucified Jesus, is the Christ. He's the Messiah. God has raised him to life. And Peter says, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out on you what you now see and hear. He's saying you understand and you hear because the Holy Spirit is speaking through me. That's what Peter's saying. It's speaking through me so that you can understand these things. So that is the message Peter was giving. And that day, scripture reads, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So that's the story of Pentecost. That's the birth of the church. Before this day, it was, a, it was about 100 in the hundreds of, of these ragtag followers of Christ, banding together, staying in small rooms in Jerusalem. And what happens next in the story is what I want us to lean into today. Because next we find out what the church did first. Immediately they'd gone from 100 or so to 3,000. So they organized Sunday morning worship services. No, that's not what we read. We read in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to breaking bread and prayer. 
They devoted themselves to these things. And Luke goes on to say that they met together regularly at the temple and in homes. They shared meals, they shared life, they shared prayer, they praised God together. Friends, the Christian church was born out of this small group connectedness model. Meeting together in homes, sharing food, and sharing life. They shared what they learned, and they learned from others, and they were loving one another. Jesus said, uh, command we recorded in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. To be known as his disciples, we must be present with another, caring for each other. We find another example of this encouragement in a letter recorded as the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So these are just a few biblical examples of the importance of living a connected life. And it's how the church was formed. Friends, I have had an amazing small group, study group experience in this community. My first group I participated in, I was a congregation member here. My wife signed me up for it. And uh, I was like out of the room with a crying baby, and I come back in. She's like, yeah, I signed you up for that group thing. It's like, the what? I said, yeah, the group thing. You need that. And she gave them my email address and sent it and, and, and offered that in there. So she signed me up for the, you laugh, it's true. It's a true story. Laura, it's true. Um, and I, when I, that's not the last time she's put my name and email address on a form either. Just, that's not the last time. Um, but the most successful. Uh, so, so in that uh, in that opportunity, that space, that place of being invited into into group life, I, I went because she told me to, and I was impacted deeply. And that that first meeting, I was this is this is cool, and she needs to come to this. So, because this is a team sport, so I brought her with me the next week, and we stayed, and that group lasted, that group was together, meeting weekly for over a year, um, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I made unlikely friends, um, we prayed for one another, we spent a great amount of time together, it was a wonderful group, some of them are here now in this room today, and that, and not only was I in, had I been in groups like that, but since then I've been in groups that, small study groups that intended to only last a month, and they did. I had groups that were intended to last longer than a month, and they only last a month. But through all those groups, I still somehow always learn and grow and gain something on my spiritual journey. If you've been in a group before, but aren't currently, Hey, this is a great time to give it another try. Likewise, if you have never been in a group or never participated in group life, there's no time like the present. 
My hope is that by the end of this message, you're encouraged to increase your commitment to this community, to this experience. I firmly believe that everyone has something to learn and something to teach. Not to be too dramatic, but I feel that we are all, every one of us, are either growing in our faith or dying in our faith. Faith in Christ and Christian living, friends, is an uphill, here's my analogy, ready for it? It is an uphill roller derby. <laughs> Let it sink in. <laughs> I hope you've seen or experienced a roller derby. If you haven't, Google it. I will warn you, you can't unsee a roller derby. But in my analogy, I want to change a few things. We're going to take the other team out of it so there's no violent encounters. So it's more like a roller derby practice, okay? Think roller derby practice, right? And then we're not going in a circle. I think they go, they're counterclockwise, all right? So... We're not doing that, we're going uphill. So this is an uphill, this is like an endurance training for roller derby teams, that's what I'm talking about. All right, so we're going uphill in a roller derby. This is my one sports reference for the day, so I really gotta drive it home. I used a bad half-baked roller derby analogy. Uh, it's obscure, but hear me out. Um, if you're roller skating, can anyone roller skate? I cannot. Okay, if you are roller skating and you're roller skating uphill and you stop your forward motion, what happens? That's right, you're going to roll backwards. But this is where the derby part comes in because this half-baked analogy, I've used this analogy for years, but I've just talked about roller skating, right, uphill. But now I'm talking derby because derby's a team sport. And if you've seen roller derby and the roller derby team sport, these are a team of individuals skating beside you, skating with you as a team. You're surrounded by fellow skaters in this derby, and as you go, sometimes some lag behind, some people fall, they stumble. It's hard to get up on roller skates, but those that are already on, I've been told it's easier to help others up um, when you're already standing, but they reach out their hand and they help them to their feet to keep the team moving forward. And then on some occasions when, when they really need to make an advance, they'll band together and there'll be multiples holding arms and they create this slingshot and literally propel one of their teammates farther at a faster, more advanced rate of speed than they could, they could create on their own or manufacture of themselves. It can only come from the combined abilities of the team. And sometimes, like mine, that can be our faith experience of having others kind of slingshot us um, with more momentum than we can manufacture, for sure. Friends, the first time I ever prayed out loud, other than like the memorized dinner prayer, <laughs> for people, with people, over people, was in a small group setting in a community group within this community and this congregation and that opportunity has forever changed the course of, of, my, of my life and my faith forever. I truly believe that the best way to grow in your faith and your relationship with God is to make that next step beyond attendance 
of large group and worship and joining in to a smaller setting. We really do have something for everyone here at our church. We have the group life page on their awesome new website. Thank you, Keith. And everybody who works so hard in getting this thing together um, at, at the cattle prodding of Keith to provide all the um, information needed for that and everything along the way. Um, the group life page of our new website, it has just descriptions and contact links uh, for everything that we currently have offered, and it's great. We have, we have groups um, and people who are willing to, who are ready to connect with you um, for, for support, for people dealing with specific struggles. We call these support groups. We have a few, few graphics up here um, for support groups, for folks struggling with specific problems. Um, we have groups formed around common interests, Monday night football group, um, the fitness, it's first of the year, fitness groups, we've got some fitness groups meeting at the church, um, Monday night football group, there's a couple left, we have a championship softball team that's an affinity group, that's right, I don't see a picture of our trophy, but we have one, it's in Dustin's office if you'd like to see it, they didn't give it to us, I had to go get it made ourselves, but... That way you can make sure it says best ever first place champions of all time, greatest ever church softball team, something like that across the bottom. Anyway, we call these affinity groups, these groups of connected interests, like shared interests that you can, you can make relationships. It's, that, it's an easy first step to just be like, hey, this is fun. And, and these people are fun to roller skate beside. I feel like we need a roller derby team. Um, Yes, front row. Um, we have study groups. Um, study groups are, are where well, our study groups are very consistent. They, they meet on a very regular basis. There's great opportunities. There's study groups meeting, you know, right now down the hall. We have study groups throughout the day. And there's some um, off of Sunday mornings. Uh, these study groups, they usually follow a format with a book study or or a Bible study, but they usually have some materials that they follow along in their structure. It's a great opportunity to, to grow in your knowledge. And we have uh, community groups that meet in and out of our church as well. And these usually, they usually do some food. They usually eat something. So if you're into food, um, you know, just coffee or whatever, your community groups are a great way um, to get connected with others, or others who they eat and they study and they pray together. So um, all those, those links are on there. Um, and uh, depending on what service you attend, we have groups, um, groups that are either meeting before or after, or after your service. Um, shameless plug, if you're attending this service, um, I'm excited to invite you to, I mean, if you don't attend this service, but you're available at 1045, um, I'm excited to invite folks to the fellowship hall. We're gonna, we're gonna do kind of a, I don't even have a name for it yet. I think we're calling it um, Connections, an opportunity to um, do a sermon discussion in a small group, just like we're talking about here, just like Jesus' disciples did, did. Talk through the discussion um, in small group setting, Fellowship Hall, 1045 on Sundays. We're going to start that January 29th, an opportunity to, gain, to uh, gather together and have com community and discussion and prayer and get connected with those. Um, and maybe start new relationships and new 
group opportunities. I know we have, we have folks here this morning that they have a community group that meets, meets and has coffee every Sunday morning before they come to church, and they bring friends with them. Shout out to those guys. But these are all great opportunities. And at the bottom of that Get Connected page, or the um, Group Life page, at the very bottom of that page, you'll find a, something that looks like this. And it's a form um, that you can fill out for more information about whatever group, whatever group you want to know more about. This is, uh, spoiler alert, this is going to send an email to me. And I want my inbox blown up with emails from this form because I, I want to personally connect you with a group that you can plug into, a group that, that, you wanna, that you can feel known and loved and connected with, an opportunity to grow. And um, I, would, I would love to be overwhelmed and have to send out a mass email that says, hey, I'm, I'm going to be right with you. So that's, that's an opportunity to, I truly, truly, truly believe, I hope you know that the getting connected with others in this faith community is the best way to grow closer to God on your faith journey. So here's a quote from my friend Morgan Ryan from her experience. Uh, she's down here, third seat from the right front row. Um, her experience with a group life, uh, her and some other moms started a small group um, around momhood. I think that's not a word, so I'm going to say motherhood. And it's and they followed a study um, and grew together. But here's a quote. Here's a quote from Morgan about this last semester's um, group. Joining together with a group of women in the same life stage as myself has been life-changing. My faith has always had very deep roots. But opening up with these women and expressing our vulnerabilities and just supporting each other and praying for one another has strengthened my faith in ways I didn't imagine were possible. I feel like I gained a small community of women who share my beliefs and want to support me in my walk with Christ. Woo! Friends, I love that. Friends, I truly believe that we are made in God's image and made for community with God. Thus, we are made to be in community with each other. So I encourage you to take advantage of this winter season to explore those opportunities to find a place in this community of unlikely friends following Jesus together. Amen? Amen. And friends, let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for, for being created, for being, for being made in your image, to seek, to long for connectedness, long for togetherness, May that yearning of loneliness be that reminder on us that there is more, that you want more for our lives. You want more connectedness for our lives. For you know that through that connectedness, we will grow closer to you. We'll be strengthened in our faith. We can be strengthened in our journey. We can lift others up. We can grasp the hand of someone ahead of us and the hand of someone struggling. We can pull others nearer to you by pulling them nearer to us, by breaking down our walls and bringing them into our circle, by entering the circles of others who've opened up and provided opportunities to us. Lord, we pray this morning that we can be compelled by your Holy Spirit 
to move in ways about this community that we don't feel we have the capability to be to be a conduit for the Holy Spirit to shine as a light of yours to those around us to draw others out of darkness and into your light to be a place where your great faithfulness is present where your love is overbounding where the greater outside community knows that we are your disciples because of the love we have for them and for one another. Lord, I pray that through your Son and Holy Spirit, we can we can be courageous, adventurous, and not scared of failure. Know that you want success our journey for connectedness, know that you want true community for your people. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.